Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast. Is it a good morning? Has it been a good morning for you thus far? You, um, I, I, mean, I guess if we need to talk about that, you can, if it hasn't been, uh, has it not been a good morning? Has it? Okay. I just, um, I, I'm aware of the fact that um, when Christians gather, we do a lot of happy stuff. We sing a lot of happy songs, you know, and uh, I'm aware of the fact that there are some people who come here on Sunday mornings who think, well, maybe I can sing my way out of the fog. And there are some people who come on Sunday mornings and they think, yeah, I can't sing those songs because it'd be lying. And if this morning you came here out of faithfulness and out of hope, but your heart says, oh man, I'd rather be hiding somewhere. We want you to know this is a safe place for you to say, it's not all happy, happy, joy, joy in my life, okay? And you have Christian brothers and sisters seated within arm's length of you who uh, at the conclusion of our time together today would be more than glad to be a few minutes late for lunch so they can listen to you, so they can pray with you and uh, spend some time with you that you too might, uh, might soon find the encouragement that you need. For me this morning, it's been a good morning. And... Uh, I just very much, um, very much in, in, am enjoying being with you all and, and in God's house and in the presence of, of his Holy Spirit this morning. And um, I'm excited about what, what I have to talk about today. Uh, I, I don't do very well with these um, standalone kind of sermons. I realized real early on when, when I first became a pastor that if I wasn't working on, uh, on a series of things, there was this horrible terror that came over me every Monday morning in the office. Oh, no. I have to come up with something to say by Sunday. And the people are going to expect that God himself delivered the message to me in kind of a, ah, moment. And sometimes there are weeks where you don't have, ah, moments. I mean, in your life, right? Well, that's in my life, too. Yeah, and so uh, very early on, I just I just figured that uh, probably what I should do is I should I should work on series of sermons. And so if you've been around here very much, um, you, you've probably if you've been around here a few years, you've probably recognized there's a pattern, and that is early in the year I'm going to go right back to the basics of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about connecting with God and other people. We're going to talk about what it takes to grow in your faith. We're going to talk about service as the, the real expression of the life of Christ within us and as the source of ongoing joy for us. We find joy in pouring out our lives, serving other people. So most of the month of January, uh, I've worked on, on, on teaching about the business of how to connect with God and how to stay connected with God, how to deepen your connection with God, how to help other people get connected with God. Steve and I have talked uh, a couple of times so far this year about the business of service as a lifestyle and a way that you too can experience that deep, fulfilling life that Jesus promised to his followers. Today I want to talk to you about how to grow in your faith. There's this thing that Christians uh, say, I've heard it as long as I've been uh, attending church, that we ought to grow. And it comes with that sense of oughtness that like it's a command and like I'm, I'm morally responsible for it and it's something that my, that my conscience should bother me about if I'm not, if I'm not doing it. But then I, as I reflect over my life in the church, it, it seems that for, for most of my life, people assumed that I would know how to make my faith grow. They'd say, you should grow in your faith. Make sure you're growing in your faith. They'd read some, some passages, like we will today, that talk about growing in your faith. And then all the Christians in the room, older than me, farther along in their faith, would just kind of nod their heads like, yeah, mm-hmm. And we all kind of get it. And I didn't get it. Because I, the, the, I've always been a person for whom the ought registered really hard in my heart, you know. But I've also been a person who doesn't like to admit when I don't know things. Some, some pride there. And so I spent an awful lot of my life saying, well, I ought to grow. I wonder how you do that. Grew up on a farm. Knew how to make a, a garden grow. Um, I learned that if you just get out of the way of most animals, they'll grow. 
Uh, if you just let them do what they're going to do, most of them will grow. But it seemed that just kind of taking that haphazard back off and, and, and watch and see what happens approach to growth in my own spiritual life wasn't happening. I was, I was growing up physically. I, gave, I, I became a Christian when I was uh, uh, seven years old. And, and sure enough, uh, without me consciously go, you know, going to bed each night going, I'm going to grow tonight, I'd um, over the years sprouted up. Parents complained about having to buy me shoes and pants all of the time because without me even trying, growth was taking place physically in my life. But it just didn't seem like I was growing spiritually. I had that, that ought to, I had that hope and that, that moral sense of this is, this is if you're really going to be a Christian, you ought to be growing in your faith. I just didn't know how. What I didn't realize is that my parents were at work behind the scenes helping to set the stage for me to grow in my faith because they were doing some things for me, like taking me to church, taking me to Sunday school, taking me to Bible study, taking me over to, to mow the church lawn or to mow the little ladies in the church's lawn, all things that I just thought were, you know, time away from playing. But my parents understood that some of these things had the ability to help grow me in my faith. But I wasn't doing anything intentionally about it myself. And, and I, as I got on toward uh, adulthood, I had this growing sense of, I, re- I really ought to, I ought to be doing something about this. And, and, and I ought to be growing by now. I, I had a sense that I, uh, often in my life, that I should be further along in my faith than I was. Can we get transparent for a moment here? And um, how, about, how about people who this morning just have this sense of, I'm not where I ought to be. I, I ought to be farther along in my faith. I'm telling you, my hand is not raised so that you know how to raise yours. It's, where I, it's what I feel this morning is that I just, I'm not yet what I could be. Yeah, I mean, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about I'm not right now what I should be. Yeah. The good news is um, you guys pay me to study the Bible. So... Um, I did some of that over the last few weeks, and I started looking for things in there that would, um, that would seem to bring not just this moral command to grow, but would actually help me achieve the thing that I think every spiritual person wants deep down in their hearts. And so that's what I want to share with you this morning. I want to share with you three things that will help you grow in your faith. Um, I started to call them three steps to growing in your faith, but um, that kind of paints the picture that you do this one, and then you do this one, and then you do this one, and you do them in that order, and you get this super result at the end, and that's not really quite the way that these things work. Uh, The things that I'm going to share with you this morning, each of them in and of themselves, if you just do one of the three, you will find that uh, it will produce some growth in your life. Um, some of them more than others. Uh, If you do all three of them, I think you can reasonably expect to grow faster than a person who has it in part or or grow faster, um, more deeper than a person who is doing only one of those three things. But suffice it to say that in a world that, where, where you are feeling hard pressed, where you're feeling a little bit spiritually beat up, where many of you say, I'm an every Sunday kind of person. I still just don't feel like I'm where I ought to be. Suffice it to say that um, I get it. You may only be able to grab one thing here and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do one thing. And as I grow and get strength from there, then, then I'm going to grow a little bit, a little bit farther. And maybe I'll, maybe I'll one day be able to, to do two or three of these things at once. So let's do this. If, uh, if you have that sense this morning, I'm, I'm not in the spiritual shape that I, that I could be in, that I'd like to be in. If you have this sense this morning that, um, hey, God might actually have brought me here for a reason today, I think I'm already connecting with what Cliff is saying. If this morning you just have a hunger, maybe you're spiritually strong and doing well right now, but you have a hunger, you want to grow in your faith, you can be one of those, those true disciples of Jesus Christ. Um, let's ask the Lord to speak to us. Okay, we're gonna take a, a few moments to pray right now. And let's just, let's just speak to the Lord and ask him, Lord, if you want me, if, if, if you want all three for me, tell me that. 
But if, if one of these jumps out off, uh, off the page at me, then, then Lord, I'm just going to take that as your personal direction to me, but know that, that my heart is open. So that's what we're doing right now, Lord, is we're praying and just opening our hearts to you. We're, we're coming in confession first, just let you know that we sure wish that we were further along in our faith. And uh, some of us this morning um, are aware of sin in our lives, things that we have intentionally chosen that uh, have been a real barrier to growth. We confess those things to you this morning. We ask you for forgiveness and we ask you to cleanse us so that we don't desire the things that stunt our growth. Some of us come in here this morning feeling like I gave up on growing a long time ago. But something seems to be waking up in my spirit this morning. And Lord, I want you to know, I'm open. I'm ready. I'm listening. Lord, I want to give your people a moment to just speak to you on their own about these things. Hear their prayers. And um, if you have anything to say to us, we would be glad to listen. We'll keep listening, Lord, if you want to keep speaking. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I think first, uh, let's, let's take a look at the word and just make sure that we understand what we're talking about. Um, there are a lot of, of metaphors in, in spiritual language. There, this, this book, the Bible, is full of all kinds of true stories, and it's also full of all kinds of stories that were simply told in, in metaphorical ways to kind of help you get a spiritual truth by telling you uh, about something from the physical world that you already understand very well. And Jesus was famous for that. Uh, The way that Jesus preferred to teach wasn't to just speak spiritual propositions out there and, um, you know, club people in the head with them. Instead, Jesus was fond of saying, let me tell you a story. Or the kingdom of God is kind of like this. And then he would tell a story about something common in people's lives. If he was talking to fishermen, he'd talk about fishing. And if he was talking to farmers, he would talk about farming. There there are all these metaphors throughout this book that kind of help us understand spiritual truth by connecting us with real world kind of things, physical things that you and I are, are already familiar with. And so the language of growth, we have to understand is, um, it, it's, kind of metaphorical and it's kind of literal and I don't know where the dividing line is between the two. I just know that in a few weeks I'm going to stick some seeds in the ground in the garden behind my house. I'll wait until I can tell that the conditions are favorable to it and then I'm going to take these very small things, seeds, I'm going to put them in the ground and I'm going to add some things that that I have come to understand will help that little thing grow in size, in strength, and in durability. Now, I'm talking about green beans, okay? And I'm talking about uh, zucchini. But um, there's a metaphorical connection to something that happens to the inner person. And you get it already. It's that when you first heard this story of Jesus and you said, I'm going to choose to believe, it took everything you had in the faith department to really believe in him, didn't it? Or was it just easy? Oh, yeah, all my life I've just been full of faith. Okay, any mountain movers out there? Because, um, I mean, if you're, if you're people who've, you know, just your whole life just had tons and tons of faith, the scripture says people with even little faith can, you know, say things like Lewiston Hill, jump into the river. And it does. Now, all of us are people who are saying, I wish I had a, a, a pile of faith that added up to a mustard seed, right? Isn't that where we all really kind of live? It's definitely where we all started by saying, that's a, it's going to take a leap over some big questions for me to get to the place that I can say, I believe that Jesus is God, and I believe that what he did on the cross really does take care of the sin problem, blocking connection between me and God. That takes a leap. 
But the Bible paints this picture, using this metaphor of growth, that over time, just like those plants in my garden this spring and summer, that that, that thing inside of you that is your spirit, the very essence of who you are, can go from something that's kind of small and, and withered. You've looked at seeds, right? Don't they usually look dead? It's the shriveled up, dried thing. The, the, the scriptures paint this picture that this, this, this elemental thing, this tiny little bit of faith that you had when you first reached God's direction need not stay small, withered, puny the rest of your life. The good news is that the scriptures paint the picture for us that that which was small and weak and very vulnerable at the beginning of your walk with Christ can become something that is growing, that has real strength and durability to it, that uh, has the ability to withstand no matter what comes your way. No asterisk with a footnote that says, except for. Now, the scriptures paint the picture that this faith of ours can actually get stronger and bigger and deeper and richer and, and grow to the place that there is nothing that this world can throw at you that will kill your faith. I'll say it again. The scriptures paint the picture that your faith can last you a lifetime, not where you come limping across the finish line into heaven, but where you break the tape and say, you know, honestly, I think I had a little bit more. I had plenty, but I think I had a little bit more because the person inside of me, that my, my own spirit, grew leaps and bounds over the course of my life from this little bitty shriveled, weak, vulnerable thing to this thing that is amazing to behold. Now, if you have, uh, if you have spiritual friends and have had for years, probably every one of us has somebody in mind when I was painting that picture, huh? Do you have, do you have a, a friend whose faith you admire? You think, man, their life, their life has some hard things come their way and they're not phony when they're smiling at me. They're not lying when they say, I know it's gonna be all right. They're not faking it when they say, yes, it has been extremely difficult, but I have placed my trust in God and he's not gonna let me down. Do you know any of those people? Listen, if you don't, Leave all of your current friends and go find some because you need some of those people in your life. Better yet, become that person so that your puny friends have somebody that they can look up to. And what I want to share with you this morning are three things that can help you to become the person in your circle that has a faith that is strong, healthy, robust, and you won't have to worry about whether it will last you for a lifetime. Um... Three steps, not steps, three things. Three things you can do uh, to grow your faith. The first one, you already know this. When I say it, you're going to go, oh, man, I knew he was going to say that. It's feed it, okay? I I planted a garden for several years in my backyard. It was uh, where apparently a handful of pastors before me who lived in the parsonage across the street had planted their garden. It's a really bad garden spot. I worked for three years to get that soil into shape and that garden would produce almost nothing. There's this great big giant maple tree that shades it and then sucks all the moisture out of the ground. And then there's a whole row of grapevines on one side of the, of the garden that suck the moisture out of the ground and keep all the afternoon sun from the garden. And it didn't seem to matter what I planted and how I spaced it and how much I watered it. It just, it was, it didn't work. So last year, I'd had enough. And I moved my garden over to this side of the yard where it gets all the afternoon sun, but I did something very important. Instead of just peeling back the sod and planting in the, in the soil right there, I cheated. I went and got some soil that I knew had extra goodies in it, 
okay? I went and got some compost that, um, yay for the beef industry, because beef produced things that help my garden grow. And uh, I, got some, I got some good stuff that I knew mixed in with the dirt. All I had to do was put a seed somewhere close to the feed, pour a little water in there that would connect those two, and baby magic was going to happen. I had a great garden last year. Truth is, it's eight feet long and four feet wide. And it produced more than that great big old garden that I'd been trying to grow for years. You know why? Because I fed it. Plain and simply had these little plants, started out as little seeds. They grew up, they were kind of tender, kind of weak. But when I connected them with feed, all of a sudden, robust growth. It happens in your yard too, right? Uh, By the way, it'll happen with weeds if you feed them. I'm, I'm speaking metaphorically and in terms of gardening here, okay? You, you take the metaphor and run with it. Feeding is one of the most important things when it comes to spiritual growth. And there's a handful of ways that you can feed your faith. You're doing one of them right now. Great job. Even if you didn't realize that's what you were doing, you're feeding your faith right now. By creating a habit, um, we're in, you come to church every Sunday um, I'm still going to say that. Just so you know, I, I, I look at the numbers and they tell us that Christians don't go to church very often anymore. And I'm always going to be the pastor who says every Sunday, and there's a reason why. Because you need to feed your faith. And I will set the table with all the vitamins and, um, and the meat and the potatoes that you need on Sundays. I promise, as long as you let me be your pastor, I will set the table with things that will make you grow on Sunday. But you must come to the table, but you've done it. You're here today. I recognize most of you. You've done this a lot of times. I've been pastor here for, for five and a half years. It means that, that I've preached, um, oh, you know, with the Sundays I've been gone and so forth. I've preached about 250 times here. And some of you have been here about 240 of those. Uh, by the way, Rich Kennedy has missed two Sundays in five and a half years that I've been his pastor, and probably for a decade longer than that, yeah. The bad news is I've missed a lot more than, than Rich, and so there's that. But um, listen, showing up, it is going to feed your faith, partly because the, the, the pastor, and whether it's me or, or Pastor Bill or, or Pastor Blake or Pastor Kaylee, um, Steve was up here with us last week. We have guest speakers from time to time. Um, these things that happen on this platform, these words that are spoken from here, come after a person has applied themselves to the scriptures, has sought the leading of God's Holy Spirit with a message that, for a message that will not just be true because it comes from here, but will be timely and appropriate for our congregation. And by you showing up and us doing our work, in, in one way, it's like my dear wife who decides that not only should we eat three meals a day, but they should be balanced and that when she, when she takes note as to when somebody's sick, then you, then you get chicken noodle soup, right? Except, listen, when you're sick, you need extra sympathy, right? So then it's chicky doodle, okay? It's chicky doodle soup when you're, when you're sick. That always makes me feel better. I don't feel better having told that story, though, right now. <laughs> it's, it's manly chicken noodle, I am the world's biggest wimp when I'm sick. My wife uh, manages to plan this diet for us that is well-balanced, that takes into consideration our weaknesses and our needs, and she sets the table regularly with us in mind. And I promise you that your pastors do that too. This isn't just, uh, ooh, Saturday. Ooh, tomorrow's Sunday. I better come up with something to say. The business of planning those series like I was talking about at the, at the very beginning of the sermon was because I pray for you and I think about you and I try to get to know you. And whenever I start hearing the same questions or the same struggles time and time again from people in the congregation in, in short order, I realize, oh, the Holy Spirit's letting me know something about what I need to do as pastor. And, and so um, you, you come to the table When you come to the table, trust that your pastors have been praying and studying and preparing to serve you something that can make you grow in your faith, okay? 
Thank you for showing up because um, I can't feed you from a distance very well, except for, you know, all you Facebook people. So thanks for joining us live, but go to church, okay? Go to church. All right. Um, Ways that you can feed it uh, include coming to church on Sunday, but I, I feel like I need to tell you that if this is the sum total of the way that you feed your, your faith, it's going to grow very slowly and probably painfully, probably imperceptibly, so that you'll go years at a time and look over your shoulder and go, huh, I haven't grown very much. And I'm just going to tell you, when, when, when I'm long dead and gone, and you take that approach, it won't be whoever your pastor is right then, it won't be his failure. Because the truth is, there isn't a meal in the world that you can eat once a week that will make your physical organism strong, healthy, and durable. And the same thing is true spiritually, okay? You can grow some from, from sermons. So it's, it's a great place to start, but just understand that uh, it's not enough for, for bold, vigorous kind of growth. The thing that, uh, when it comes to uh, you know, hearing the, the teaching of the scriptures, that's really going to grow you the most in your faith is your own personal study. Now, from time to time, we talk about, I talked about it last month when we were talking about how to connect with God and how to stay connected. We talked about having a devotional kind of experience in life where you take a few minutes each day to try to connect meaningfully with God through prayer and scripture reading. And that that practice of devotional life is very important. But what I'm talking about when I say reading and studying the scriptures is something altogether different. Instead of finding somebody's little devotional booklet, Our Daily Bread, or, um, I don't know, I saw some people carrying around the Duck Dynasty devotional, whatever, whatever the thing is, that has three paragraphs of somebody else's poetic thoughts about God and one half of a Bible verse for you to read, it may be great for your devotional life, but that is not going, that's going to help make this, this relational connection to God. But if you want to see the strength of your spirit and the strength of your faith grow, you've got to push it a little bit. Gina's sitting over there, and she's a school teacher. And sitting right next to her is Dina, and she's a school teacher. And these two ladies probably have a certain reputation among their students. They will say, whenever the gals are taking it easy on them, my teacher's nice. And when the teacher is pushing them hard by giving them challenging homework and by giving them some time-consuming sort of work, and placing some deadlines in front of them. They tell, the, they tell their friends and their moms, my teacher's mean. And these two ladies are not mean. They just know what it takes for young mo- Well, they're, they're looking at each other and saying, sometimes I'm mean. <laughs> I got to start being more mean. Uh, but it's because they know that what it takes for a young mind to grow stronger, richer, fuller, and able to, to stand the test of, of tests, you've got to push them to study a little bit on their own instead of spoon-feeding them in the classroom. Listen, the, the careful reading of this book is tough. It's really tough. It was written in uh, foreign languages um, hundreds and now thousands of years ago. Translated into English with some, with some metaphors from other cultures where we go, yeah, I don't understand that at all. The good news is you don't have to remain ignorant of much that's written in this book because there are lots and lots and lots of study helps available. I'm going to show you a handful of them. Um, Luke, were you able to? Uh, yeah, okay. Take a look at the screen, all right? I'm going to show you a handful of things online uh, where you can go and um, because you know how to work your way around a website, I'm just going to show you the front page, and um, you can take some notes. And if you spend a little bit of time reading the scriptures and then looking on these websites for comments and questions that, that kind of guide your own self-study, you'll find lots of tools that are helpful. This one is called uh, thebibleproject.com, okay? And... Um, Bible Project is one of my favorites, and if um, that really is not the right website, that's like a somebody's trying to somebody's trying to sell the Bible Project domain. We should buy the Bible Project domain. Hey, Luke, try BibleProject.org. 
go to the Bible Project. Go to Google and just put in Bible Project. And the one that's not trying to sell you something is the Bible Project. And the reason that I love the Bible Project as a study aid is this. These are people who have studied the scriptures um, through a, a really contemporary lens, but they've also got like classical foundations, okay? So the, these people are serious modern Bible scholars and they're animators. And they will take any book of the Bible and, uh, and, and illustrate it in a way and talk you through its main themes and talk you through its key passages. And uh, most of them are about five to seven minutes long. They're done wonderfully well. And I just want to recommend that you go to bibleproject.something and uh, hunt thebibleproject.com. Thebibleproject.com. Okay, good. Thank you, Christine. Um, Here's, here's one to get you started, okay? Right there, if you're, if you're note takers uh, or if you've got your phone, um, t- when you get to thebibleproject.com, you're going to click on the all videos tab, and then you're going to look for Torah, T-O-R-A-H. It's a, it's a Hebrew word meaning law, referring to the, the first five books of the Bible. And uh, start there, Torah video number one. It, you'll also see when you pull up that video, there's a free study guide that you can click on. I clicked on it. I downloaded it. It's fantastic. I used it for my own personal study. I want to recommend that you do that too. We've used them some in youth group, okay? Thebibleproject.com. Next, uh, a real helpful tool, um, nav- navigators.org. Navigators.org. Got that one, Luke? Navigators.org. I hope it's not the navigators.org because I gave you navigators.org. Hmm. There you go. Yeah, Navigators. Navigators are a group that's been around for decades in the U.S. They've worked uh, on some college campuses and worked uh, in, the, um, in the professional and corporate world and in the publishing industry to help make the Bible and its truth really, really accessible to, to everyday people who, you know, uh, don't take four years of their life to go to seminary and study like, like pastors do. So you look across the top of the screen, it says home, about us, ministries, tools. Tools is where you want to click. If you click on tools, they give you all kinds of, um, of helps for studying. If you click on tools, then it'll have uh, some other um, tabs for you to click on, and you can click on Bible study resources. There's even a tab there that says how to study the Bible. If you don't know how to study it, it will, it will literally walk you step by step through get a pen, get a pad of paper, get a Bible, and it will, it will walk you lockstep through how to study some passage of the Bible. I found this to be really, really, really helpful. It teaches a, a method of Bible study called inductive Bible study that will, uh, if you put it this way, if you do inductive Bible study on your own, uh, before long, you're going to start challenging your pastor in some of his sermons. You're going to say, I worked through that passage, and I really have come to understand it, pastor, and maybe we need to sit and talk about how you arrived at the conclusions you did. I mean, real, um, really, really helpful and sharp tools, um, inductive Bible study. Next one, uh, BibleStudyTools.com. Okay, BibleStudyTools.com. I found this one, um, it, it's, it's a little more simplistic. It might actually just be a good place to start if, if you haven't done much Bible study before. But Bible Study Tools, if you look up there, you can, uh, in that top window, you can just put in a Bible passage, a book, a verse, whatever, and click find it and it'll pull it up. And then you'll see a handful of uh, live links that you can click on that will have some articles written about that passage or um, all of these sites have commentaries. And commentaries is kind of um, pastor speak for long, thick books where people study every minute detail of Bible passages, okay? The good news is now these are all available online and they're word searchable. So instead of reading big, long books or shelves full of books, you go click, 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 and you get right to the stuff that is uh, associated with the verse or the book that you're reading, BibleStudyTools.com. And so uh, they have a good collection of commentaries. And then this thing called a concordance. Concordance. A concordance is really helpful because if you take any word that pops into your head and think, huh, I wonder if they talk about that in the Bible, you can enter that word in a concordance and it will list every single verse in the Bible that has ever used that word. So if you think, um, hmm, I want to learn about growing. 
You put grow in the concordance, and every single time that word occurs in the Bible, it'll list it out in front of you. You can spend the next hour of your life reading the verses that directly apply to how to grow in your faith. Uh, Last one that I want to mention is uh, blueletterbible.org, Blue Letter Bible. And probably the best person to help you understand how to use that is not your pastor, but Rob Sawyer. Rob teaches a Sunday school, an adult Sunday school class on Sunday mornings. And I know over the last couple of weeks, he's been showing people in his class how to use blueletterbible.org. It's laid out a little bit differently than the others, but it's the same basic idea. You go to the top, you put in a... uh, a verse or a word or a topic. Right below it, it says KJV. That's King James Version of the Bible, but there's an arrow. You can click on it. It's got like 39 different, different Bible translations that you can pick on. Um, you can uh, find your way around that website on your own by just clicking on pictures, right, and, uh, and video links. But all of these things, listen, they, they're serious Bible study. This isn't the watered-down version, oh, if, if only you were a pastor and had the tools that pastors have. These are the tools that I use every week, okay? These are the tools that I use every single week. You don't have to learn Greek. You don't have to learn Hebrew. You don't have to go away for four years of study. You can go into uh, your office or your living room for 30 minutes and, and lay hold of some things that people used to pay thousands of dollars to, to build in their libraries, and they're making them all uh, more and more accessible um, all of the time. Those are some things that you can do to, to feed your faith. Um, listen to some sermons, um, read the Bible, study it, whether uh, on your own or in a group. Um, but something beyond the mere devotional, um, you know, five-minute approach to, um, I'm going to wave at Jesus as I drive by in the morning. Something a little more in-depth than that. How to grow in your faith. Feed it is number one. Uh, number two is to challenge it. And I think maybe I've already been talking to you about that a little bit this morning. Listen, uh, hardship is the academy of character. I'm going to say that again because I think it's really important. Hardship is the academy of character. You will never get better at anything by taking an easier way. It just doesn't happen. How we all wish that you could grow a strong, healthy body by eating ice cream three meals a day. Doesn't work. How I wish that I could get a strong, healthy physique by just, you know, a a real brisk sit on the couch. Doesn't work. I referred to a couple of teachers. The It's not the parties in the classroom that help the kids' minds. It may help their hearts a little bit. But it's it's after the party when they say, uh, okay, put the cupcakes away, back to math, right? That... That, that makes those little kids' minds grow and, and get stronger. And the reality of the human experience universally is that if you want to get better, stronger at anything, you have to do hard things. You have to do hard things. For some of you, reading the Bible is a hard thing. Do it! Do the hard thing and you will see that there's a response in your spirit. For some of you, the study comes easy. nothing's better than you and a book. And for you, the hard thing is saying it's going to be me and some other people and the book. And so you become a part of a connection group or part of a Bible study. The real challenge for you is is being with people because you're you're, um, uh, maybe just, um, what's the word, an introvert? Or maybe you're not very sure of yourself. Or maybe, maybe you don't think you're as far along as you ought to be in your knowledge of this book. And you don't want to look like the dummy at the Bible study. And so it's the going and being with people part that, that is the hard part for you. If it's the hard thing, listen, there's a good chance that God is, is standing right next to you as your cheerleader saying, just go, do it. Do it. Try it. And I'll be here to cheer you on and to help. But the truth is that your life is not going to come, come to resemble Christ's life more by you doing easier things or things that you're already comfortable doing. They never help us grow. I, I tried this out. I stayed home from the gym 365 days in a row. 
Hence my New Year's resolution when I spoke to you guys on January 1st. And I have to, it's going well, but I have to confess, I only worked out three days, not the, not the promised four this week. So, um, but I've been making it and guess what? I'm getting stronger. And that is both literally true and it's a metaphor for, um, for, for life. What are some hard things? You, uh, you and Jesus together, you and uh, maybe your spouse or your parents um, could help you come to understand some hard things. But here's, here's what doing hard things does for you. It both strengthens and softens you. It both strengthens and softens you. Listen, we need some tough Christians. The world is full of a bunch of apologizing, mamby-pamby, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to survive kind of Christian. The Bible doesn't know any of that kind. Listen, you go back to Genesis chapter 49, when God was first forming the, the people of Israel through the family of the man that he named Israel. And he looked at one of those boys. Uh, I'm going to read this to you. It's Genesis chapter 49. Genesis chapter 49. And uh, the old man's getting ready to die. And so he's, he's handing out the inheritance and all of that. And part of the inheritance was, was a patriarchal blessing where you looked at people, you looked at your kids and you said, here's what I hope happens in your life and here's what I see in your life because I've been watching you your whole life. This old man was looking, he had a mess of a family. But um, what he said to his son Judah was this. Judah, your brothers will praise you. You will grasp your enemies by the neck and all of your relatives will bow before you. Judah, my son, is a young lion that has finished eating its prey. That's not the prettiest, uh, most sanitary, sweet kind of picture. You have any idea what that, what that dad saw in his son? Now get this, because it matters. By the time we get, that's the first book of the Bible. When you get to the very last book, book of Revelation. In that book, there's a descendant of Judah. And Revelation paints the picture of him as being the one who conquers the entire world. The forces of evil and darkness, body slammed, toasted. And this one stands victorious over everybody and everything. And they call him the lion of the tribe of Judah. In parentheses, hear me roar. And Jesus is that descendant of Judah who's described as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And at some level, the call of the people of God is to become like him. Not like the prey that the young lion has finished eating, but we're supposed to have a certain strength and, um, um, and more strength and, and durability and fearlessness that comes authentically out of our spirits because we know that our spirits have been growing in Christ-likeness specifically by us facing the challenges that are before us instead of whining, instead of backing down, instead of making excuses, we do the hard things with the help of our brothers and sisters and with the promised help of God's Holy Spirit. And every time that you step up and you step into the challenge, you will find yourself becoming more and more like the lion and less like the prey that he just shredded. Yeah. We need some muscular Christians. We should, we should turn this place into a spiritual gym, if you ask me. But I said that uh, doing hard things will both strengthen you and it will soften you. And that's true too. If you, if you look in uh, John's version of Jesus' life story, chapter 14, look at verses 25, 26, 27. He refers to a time when he is going to go away. He's going to leave his followers. He won't, he won't be right there with them anymore. But he said, don't worry about it because I'm going to send somebody in my place to be with you and in you. And uh, Bible scholars forever have wrestled over the word that Jesus 
is used to describe the Holy Spirit that he was sending to live in the hearts of his followers. So depending on which translation of the Bible that you have, um, one will say counselor and one will say comforter and another will say advocate. And those are the three most common translations of, of that word that Jesus used to describe his Holy Spirit. But where Genesis and Revelation talk about the, the, the followers of Jesus as and lion-like, here Jesus says, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to you to, to give you the, the heads up, to, to comfort your heart when it's broken and, and questioning, and he's going to advocate for you. When you're not very lion-like, when you don't feel very, very lion-like, when you feel more like the prey than like the lion, God himself, in the person of his Holy Spirit, is going to advocate for you. I don't know who he's advocating to. I do, actually. He's, he's telling the, the enemy of our souls, beat it. This one's spoken for. And the scriptures also tell us that Jesus is interceding for us to the Father. You wonder what Jesus is doing Tuesday afternoon? He's talking to the Father about you. He's advocating for you. And the Holy Spirit, we read, has this incredible ability to talk to God in ways you and I can't even understand. So he speaks to God in groans that human words cannot even express when he's advocating for you. You do hard things, you become lion-like when you need to go big. But you'll also find a softening of your spirit that makes you teachable so that the counselor can, you know, talk you down off of your lion-like behavior on occasions. He'll comfort you, and he'll advocate for you. If you want to grow in your faith, you've got to feed your faith. You've also got to challenge your faith. And then finally, uh, you've got to use it. This is, this is not um, a science experiment. You, you did science experiments in school, right? And you, then you made this big uh, cardboard, poster board, foam board thing, and you stood up there. You, you were up late the night before with pinking shears, cutting out construction paper to put your little three-by-five card on top of it so it really looks like your project was impressive. And when you're done, what did you do? You threw the thing in the dump because it didn't matter. You were just doing a project. And when you were done with all of your study and you were done with all of your presentation, you were done with the ideas. And you just, over and gone. Listen, if you take that approach to your faith, you read the Bible and then dismiss it, you, you, you say, okay, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll challenge myself a little bit in that study department cliff. I'll, I'll start showing up at whoever's house or Laura's class or I'll, 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 Online stuff, me, 30 minutes, whatever that is that you decide to do. But you'll walk away from it, and, and for all intents and purposes, just disregard it. Your faith isn't going to grow. It isn't going to grow much. Instead, this is just the practical application of living as a follower of Jesus. When you've studied the scripture, when you have listened to the voice of his Holy Spirit, and he's leading you to do something that you don't really want to do, and you man up or woman up or teen up or kid up and do it, and, and, and you find that, okay, there's this mm in, my, in my spirit that, that makes me, I, I can tell I'm stronger than I was before. Now we're past, the, we're past the, the teachable moment. We're past the classroom instruction And it's on to living. And I now start looking in, in my relationships with other people. I start looking at the time that I have on the job. I start looking at my involvements in the community. And I say, how can I put into practice one time today what I learned by doing the hard thing this morning of, say, some of you, the hard thing is getting out of bed early enough to study the scriptures. Right? Or staying awake long enough at night that you don't fall asleep in your Bible. Yeah. But you've done the hard thing. Once you get over that hard hurdle, now we're looking at the practical stuff of life and saying, God, believing that you've been teaching me, believing that you've been guiding me, believing that you, you steered me toward a hard thing so that I'd be strong, will you now show me how to use it? And I promise, he says yes every single time. It will be uncanny to you how often the thing that you studied or the thing that you learned through hardship suddenly has a practical application like that in the next few days in your life. And you say, I was just reading about that the other day. 
So-and-so was just talking to me about that the other day at Bible study. But you've got to look for some ways to use the stuff that your pastors carefully prepare, that your online community carefully shares with you, the wisdom of the, the, the Bible commentators down through the ages that's been shared with you, or the plain old hardship that God develops right in front of you so that he says, well, we need to get some legs under you. Don't waste that. Start looking for practical ways to apply it. And I'm telling you that if you ask God, will you show me? <laughs> there's going to be an opportunity in the very near future. Hands of people who've experienced that. Help me out here this morning. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, time and time and time again in my life. I'll tell you, it's 50-50 if I don't pray the prayer afterwards. God, will you show me how to do this? But he rewards those who diligently seek him, the scriptures tell us. So if, I, if I, okay, I'm seeking him, and then I'm saying, Lord, will you please show me how to live it? There's going to be an opportunity that comes your way post haste, all right? If you want your faith to grow, you got to feed it, you got to challenge it, and then you got to use it. Here's some ways that you could use your faith. Maybe all these things are, are, are the hard thing for you, but these are just some that, that came, um, came to my mind. Maybe the hard thing for you is being humble instead of proud. Maybe the humble thing for you is deciding to tell the truth instead of shading the truth to make yourself look better. Maybe the hard thing for you is, is to tithe instead of use all your resources for you. Maybe the hard thing for you is to not give in to anger, but to bite your lip or to bite your tongue. Maybe, hey, let me just speak to the guys here. Maybe the hard thing for us is gentleness. You know what the word, you know what the word gentle means? I mean, you do... Mostly, but here's, how, here's what I think the, the working person's definition is. Gentle doesn't mean weak. It means using strength, but only as much as you need, never anymore. John Elway, can't stand him, never will like him, ever. He turned down a pitching contract with the Kansas City Royals. I will never forgive him for that. Then went to become a Denver Bronco that beat the Chiefs almost every time ever. By the way, he, he entered the NFL in 1983, and I'm almost over it. But the man, when he was in college, could stand on home plate uh, at the baseball stadium at Stanford University, with, taking no steps, throw a baseball over the center field fence. It's hard to hit a ball that far. Guy had a cannon. And he, more than once, he was, he was um, known for this you know, feat of strength. Stand on home plate. Over the, over the center field fence. Let me ask you a question. If, if John decided instead to throw it to second base, did he lose all his strength? I mean, it's, it's a lot shorter throw. Is he suddenly weak because he threw to second instead of over the, the center field fence? No, of course not. No, of course not. It's just that it didn't, it doesn't take the same kind of horsepower to get the ball to second base that it does to get it over the fence. So he threw it gently. Yeah. Hey, guys, maybe, maybe we need to go from this place today. Maybe you've got the financial thing squared away. You're generous toward God and his work. Maybe um, you don't have outbursts of anger like you did when you were a young man. Maybe, maybe you uh, are, are pretty good at... Um, at those things. But maybe the people in your house were thinking of somebody else when I use the word gentle. I would just say, how about every man in here, just a pact between us, makes the decision that over the next week, we're going to look for ways to be gentle. Not to be weak, but to use only as much strength as is needed for us to do the things that God's called us to do. uh, Women, I'll leave that between you and the Holy Spirit, what he's calling you to. But guys, are you with me? Let's find a way to use our faith on this one thing this week. Or the other things, if the Holy Spirit spoke to you about them, disregard the gentleness in that that case. Well, I'm out of time today. I want to... I want to thank you one more time for, for coming and for, for paying careful attention. I want to thank you for, for doing the very first and one of the most important things when it comes to feeding your faith, just showing up here 
where those of us who, who study the word diligently can share it with you. But um, how about this? Before, before we go home today, I want to do two things. Uh, of course, I want to pray and ask uh, the Lord to speak to us about how he would want each of us to apply those things that we learned about. The other is this. I want to help you get started in the direction of the reading part of reading and studying. Over the course of uh, the last couple of months, we've had Pastor Blake and Pastor Kaylee up here in front of us a number of times. They have been championing this cause. Here's a little uh, uh, card that is, um, it's a Bible reading plan. Bible's a big book, and you think, oh, man, how am I going to get all the way through that? And uh, Pastor Blake and Pastor Kaylee have put together a plan that will actually get you through the thing without leaving you for, you know, a month in Leviticus. That's a good thing. You don't read any book of the Bible more than one day in a row, and usually just two, three, four chapters. And so, um, Faith and Krista, I need you to take these. I need you first to wake up, and then I need you to take these. And anybody who says, you know, I didn't get started on time, but I'm going to start from, from here forward, and I'd like to have a, a card that tells me about the reading plan for the month. Listen, there's two plans, okay? One side is the full reading plan where you'll read every word of the Bible in the year. The, the other side of it is a modified plan. It's just, it's whittling it down, saying if you don't think that you can tackle that whole big beast, why don't you tackle representative parts of it? Okay, so it's a shorter reading plan. So yeah, I know a number of you are already doing that. Also, if uh, Pastor Kaylee, wave at everybody. And um, how about this? After church today, if you'll go see Pastor Kaylee, um, she'll also get you on the texting list where every morning at 6 a.m. you'll get a text that gives you the Bible reading for the day. So if you're like me and you'd lose the card, um, I don't lose texts. Okay, so, so they, they text me every morning with, uh, with the reading plan. And it's helping me to strengthen my faith. And I'm very grateful for that. Let's stand. Lord, as we uh, bow in your presence here, um, we, we've been told many times, we, we've, 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 we've read the scripture passages again and again that tell us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, that tell us to, in all things, to grow up into him who is our head. We, th- there's no question in our minds about whether we ought to be growing, but the truth is many of us have been thwarted time and time again when it comes to growth. Lord, how about we get confessional? Sometimes it's been because we were lazy. Sometimes because we just weren't really interested in growing. We were more interested in indulging ourselves instead. Sometimes it's because, I don't know, spiritually things that just kind of went cold. It seemed like forever since we'd really connected with you. And we suffer real lack of motivation to do what it takes to grow in those moments. But here we are this morning, and we've got this opportunity in front of us, and we've got these tools that we were able to, to take notes on, and, and every one of us has the ability to lay our hands on a Bible and some study tools, and every one of us has the ability to listen to your Holy Spirit as he says, here, let's do something that tests you and tries you, strengthens you. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here today that when the challenge comes from you, that in place of fear, there would come holy confidence that you've got them right in the palm of your hand, that you're going to be the one who gives them the leg up over the hurdle. But I pray that we would not be the people that are described in the book of Hebrews as those who shrink back and eventually are destroyed by our shrinking back. Instead, I pray that you would begin to rear some lion cubs in this place. Lord, strengthen us in our weakness. Soften us where our hearts have grown hard. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, thank you for advocating for us. We can take just a moment to listen for your voice. If there's a specific area in which it's time for us to get after it and grow, we want to hear it. So we listen for your voice.
Lord, for my brothers and me, I pray that you would, uh, we need you to have really good timing this week. Because I know in my life, most of the time, I recognize the need to be gentle right after I wasn't. And so I want to ask your Holy Spirit to give us the foresight to see the opportunities coming so that we can throttle it back a little bit and, and use this faith to practice self-control in an area of our lives where maybe we've never used our faith before. There or wherever you want to take us, we just ask, take us somewhere. Grow us in our faith this week. And I ask these things in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. My friends, grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Know that as you do, strength will rise within you. You'll feel confident and you'll be used by God. So may you know his peace. Amen.